Welcome to Sisters Inc., our podcast for and about women business owners, brought to you by Black Enterprise. I'm your host, Elisa Gums. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. And on every episode of Sisters Inc., we sit down with one successful CEO and share how she slays the challenges of being a Black woman in business. Today's episode is all about turning your art into business. We're chatting with Melissa Hill, the founder, CEO, and chief designer of Ushi, a women's resort wear brand known for its hand-drawn prints, its vibrant colors, and its flirty and feminine designs. Welcome to Sisters Inc., Melissa, and thanks so much for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. From my very first glance at your website, I fell in love. It is clear that you know what you're doing when it comes to creating beautiful things. Your business really grew out of your personal style and your love of fashion. So I have to ask, where did that passion start and how did you develop your eye for style and design? Yeah, so um, I would say I just. I developed my passion for fashion kind of <laughs> at a very young age. Um, my father was an artist, so I think that inherently that just kind of, I just kind of picked up his natural talent. And I also learned at an early age that fashion and style was much different and that your, you know, clothes really enhanced and influenced who you were and how you presented yourself in the world. And so, um, you know, just years of traveling and just being exposed, being in all the, the right rooms. Um, and I just kind of picked up my own my own eye and super excited to tell my own story when it comes to style and beauty and fashion. Were you also um, into art from an early age? You mentioned that your father was an artist. Um, did you think yeah. that you would end up with a career related to art? I never, ever thought that I would end up with a career that related to art at all. Um, art for me was something that I was always doodling, like on my, my schoolwork, making flowers <laughs> or, or doing things, you know, um, something that I did in my spare time when I had my son, I painted a lot, um, but never really did anything with it. Um, but I got a creative itch as I got older in life and really started to use that as an outlet to you know, express myself and, you know, do all the fun things, but I never thought that it would turn into something this big. And um, as you talked about developing your sense of style and realizing that fashion and style are different, do you consider yourself sort of a student of style? I know that you've got a thing for vintage fashion, you know, how do you go back and get your references for things? Well, I think a lot of my... Um, but just to, just to go back a little bit, a lot of that really also started because I'm, I'm a baby of the 70s, right? So um, watching my mom get dressed, you know, she used to wear like her signature thing to do was to wear a bathing suit with her Gloria Vanderbilt jeans and like her slide on high heels and her burgundy long nails. You know, I remember they used to have the hairstyle where they curl their hair and just you know, comb it all back and then push it forward and it was just done, you know? And so I just remember just thinking she was so beautiful and effortless in how she she styled and what she had on was really nothing, but she wore it like a million bucks. And that's only because it was very really comfortable for her and she felt good about, you know, 
being a woman and, and what she was wearing. So um, that has a lot of influence on me. Um, I just just love clothes. I just love like dressing people and, and style. You really are a citizen of the world. You were born in Germany, raised in California. You've traveled all over, um, and now you live here in New York. How is your work inspired by your travels? Yeah, that's a great question. Every day, I'm always inspired by things that I see. I mean, New York City is full of inspiration. It's full of things to do. Um, but usually when I travel, I really get lost in just in the culture in the music and the food. Um, I love to see how people dance, which really influenced me deciding that I want to be a resort wear designer, you know, wearing flowy clothes and just, you know, twirling. I think one of my, well, I don't think, but one of my mottos is until celebrate everything until further notice. So some of my, <laughs> some of my customers, you know, they'll do a hashtag and they'll say twirling until further notice if they have on a Ushi dress and they're twirling around. But, you know, it's just the culture and, I love colors and tapestries and um, just all, it's just all expire, inspires me. And sometimes things inspire me that I don't even realize. Like it could just be a conversation or it could be a smell, something good, not, not New York smells, but <laughs> like, you know, a beautiful scent that someone's wearing and, and, you know, watching the person walk and how she moves. So yeah, inspiration comes in all shapes and forms for me and New York City. You know, I always think about moving somewhere else. Um, I don't know. New York just does it for me for now. <laughs> you know, it just really inspires me and it keeps me, keeps me and motivated, keeps me inspired. It keeps me wanting to know more and see more. I just really love being here. So not only are the garments designed by you, but the prints themselves in your collections are all designed by you. What does your creative process look like? Can you walk us through? Yeah. So my creative process is fairly simple. Um, you know, sometimes I will create a print and that will inspire the design and sometimes the other way around. But for the most part, you know, sometimes I just sit down and I reflect on, you know, who I want to be, how I want to be a better person, a better mother, um, what the possibilities are in this world. And I try to put it into my art. So sometimes you know, I'll find myself dreaming about like, you know, sexy destinations and, and actually turn it into a print. Like one of my favorite prints is a woman and she's, she's subliminally nude <laughs> and she's kind of dancing around. And I always say, that's me and my friends just dancing and having fun. And, and people really love it, but then they look at it and they go, wow, I love the colors in this. And then they're like, wait, is that a naked woman? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh my God, that's genius. Like, you know, so, um, it's it's a it's an unusual process. It's nothing that is like um, you know, like I do this and I do that and I do that. It's just however I'm feeling in the moment. Um, sometimes it could be a movie that I just watch and I'm like, wow, the style in there was just so great, or the color that I remember, and I'm just inspired to, you know, start drawing and painting and coloring and putting things together. As someone who um, clearly works so much based off of your feeling, um, you know, what happens when you're not feeling it? As a person whose business depends on their designs, how do you deal with creative blocks? Yeah. So I'm really kind with myself when it comes to this because I really, really enjoy the process. 
Like, so usually I would literally push myself away from my desk that I'm sitting at right now. And I will hula hoop. <laughs> I'll hula hoop to some Brazilian beats or I'll put on some old school R&B. Um, and then sometimes I just put on some Nancy Wilson and I, I just stretch and I just kind of allow myself to release whatever I'm feeling and just let myself know that there's no blocks, there's no boundaries. I'm free to do and envision whatever I want. And sometimes that's a frustrating part because I'm like, I'm trying to get to this vision that I see. But my favorite things to do is just to you know, grab my Metro card and just go get lost in the city <laughs> and just see what hits me. I have never heard of a hula hoop strategy for business, but I'm so here for it. I love it. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Listen, let me tell you something. Your, your chakra down here is created, is connected to sex energy, right? Which is also connected to creative energy. So when you get out there and you start moving, things start happening. <laughs> Magic starts happening. So yeah, that's one of my little techniques. <laughs> I'm going to remember that the next time I have writer's block, for sure. I'm going to be like, Melissa said, the chakra here needs to get it moving. So yes. <laughs> we talked earlier about how you honed your eye for design. But how did you learn the business side? Because it's one thing to create drawings of beautiful clothing or even to make a garment or two. It's a whole other thing to figure out how to price garments, how to sell them, how to get them into the hands of your customers. So, you know, I know that that is a big leap for aspiring entrepreneurs. They've got an idea, they've got a talent, but figuring out how to make it a business is really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it has definitely been a process. Um, when I first started, I did everything guerrilla style. Like I was just Googling everything, um, just trying to figure it out. But, you know, I think the, the one thing people have to remember is that you can't do it all. You know, you have to allow yourself that space to say, okay, let me have someone come in and help. I am not afraid to ask someone for help at all. My sister is my business partner and she knows me the best. And she knows when I need help. She knows how to help me. And she comes up with great ideas. Um, so you have to be open to that. And she's my younger sister, too. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you have to just be open to continue to learn and develop because, you know, personal growth is business growth and vice versa. So when you grow as a person, you allow your business to grow because you're opening yourself up. But at the end of the day, when my son is sleeping, I'm, you know, at night, that's my second shift, you know. I get on the computer. If there's anything that I want to learn, if there's anything that I've come across that I want to come back to, you know, I listen to podcasts. I, I look at things on YouTube. Um, there's just so many resources these days, actually, that, you know, whatever you need to know. But you do have to be careful, make sure you're getting the right information and you're not paying for just hearing someone say nothing that you probably could have done, done it yourself. And I, I had that, I ran into that problem a couple of times in the beginning. You know, someone says, hey, pay for this and I'll show you how to do this. And I'm like, I knew that already. So it's also to trusting yourself, knowing that you know something, you know, and not saying, oh, I don't know enough, you know. So I had to learn those lessons. And um, basically everything's been through trial and error, but I'm still I'm still learning every day. Is there a particular resource that stands out to you as you think back over, you know, some of the things that you watched or Googled or uh, listen to that you found really helpful in your journey or that gave you sort of an aha moment or were able to help you move to the next level? 
Yeah. So there's this really great platform. It's called iFundWomen. They have a plethora of information. Um, you just feel secure there. You feel safe. You feel like people are listening to you. You know, whenever I need something, like recently I needed someone to optimize my website. I just went on there. Hey, ladies. And they were, they were there. So many women reached out and it's like, oh yeah, try this person. Again, you still have to use your judgment because they're probably going to promote their friend or their business or whatever. And it may not be right for you, but you still have to use your judgment. And so I found iPhone women to be really successful. Another one that I used when I first started was called Lemonade Stand. And um, it just has a lot of information as well, like, um, um, you know, on how to, you know, scale or how to just really great information. Um, Maker's Row was another one. They, uh, they're more of a manufacturing part. And I've always, I'm always offering information to people because I know when I first started, people were very hesitant to really share. I don't know why, but um, for whatever reason, but I, I made a, a, a promise not to, to be that way. I'm very intentional about that. So um, Maker's Row is really good. And if you need a manufacturer, if you need whatever you need, they have everything on their site and you can reach out to them directly and they'll get back to you. And they also have a concierge service that helps you if you need help, you know, um, finding your way through all of this information. They're there too. So those are a couple that I can think of offhand. I'm glad you mentioned uh, manufacturing because I wanted to delve a little bit deeper into your production process, which I think is um probably like the scariest, most intimidating part for uh, entrepreneurs as they're starting out. All of your clothes are made to order. Can you explain what that means for your business and how you determined what your production process would be? Yeah. So it was really, really important to me when I first started to um, really not contribute to all the waste and the pollution that fast fashion is having, having right now in, in, in our world. And also too, I want to leave my son something, a better planet, something, you know? So I felt like it was my responsibility to figure out a way to make this happen. And um, I was able to find a manufacturer, a partner that was, that makes everything to order. So um, as my customer buys, that's when they make the garment. Um, and so that, that's worked out really well. Not only that, all of my fabrics that I use are 95% biodegradable. I only use natural fabrics. So like, um, I use bamboo cottons and, um, silk cottons and fabrics that are, will stand the test of time, but also they will disintegrate over time. You don't really need to, you know, they're not going to turn into waste and just be sitting there. Like they're beautiful. They're very nice quality fabrics. So I was really, really proud of that. And that was something, I guess the universe was like, let's just bless her with this because all the, all the trials and journeys and all the trips I've gone through to try to find fabric, I've gone to India, I've gone here, you know, in, like when I first started and it was just so hard and it was, it was such a nightmare. And sometimes I just feel like, oh my God, what am I going to do? This is crazy, you know? And then, you know, I had people reach out to me and like, are you going to make something this season? I loved your dress. And I was like, really? People are like, really, you know, taking notice. So it was important that if I'm going to do this, Melissa, we're going to do it right. And we're going to also contribute something in a positive way to the environment. So, um, you know, unfortunately I don't have sales because I don't need to, I don't hold in any inventory. What you see on the side here, 
these are just all samples that I use for, you know, Instagram and marketing and like all those type of things. But basically everything is made to order. So when the customer goes on the site and they buy, that's when we make it. And so I have no, no waste, which is, which is really awesome. Cause sometimes you get all of your fabrics and everything just tied up in money, right? Just all your money's just sitting there. You're just looking at it, all this fabric, you know, and it just sits there, you know? So I've been very blessed and very fortunate to figure out a way that I don't have to, to do that. Cause that was me in the beginning. So it's been, it's been yeah. great. That's no waste from an environmental standpoint and no waste from a business standpoint, because as you say, you're not carrying inventory. You didn't sink a bunch of money into fabric that's sitting there waiting. You don't have to pay for storage of all of that stuff exactly. while it sits around. And yeah. so I'm sure that, you know, has been helpful to your bottom line. Um, Let me just, you mentioned me... your commitment to doing this ethically and sustainably, yeah. both in terms of the fabrics and the manufacturing. Um, when it comes to that, has that affected the way that you approach the business? Like, do you design differently because of these fabrics and this manufacturing process? Yeah, I do. And I just wanted to add one thing to, um, I, when we make the clothes, they go from the factory directly to the customer. So they never, they never come to me. So that also limits the carbon footprint. Yeah. Right? So it goes from the manufacturer to the to the consumer. Um, yes, it does affect the way I design because sometimes I just go crazy <laughs> and I don't know what to put out. I'm like, but I like this and I like that. You know, and my sister's like, well, maybe you should just this is really nice. This concentration. I'm like, but I want to do this one, too. You know, so I have just um, the freedom to just create because it's just one piece we're creating. Right. Maybe in the collection, I do five or six things. Or maybe I'm inspired in that one moment. I want to create this dress because I'm like, ooh, you know, uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. I want to create something just for Valentine's Day, right? <laughs> and, you know, so it has changed and I'm learning to, um, to you know, fall back a little bit and, and work with what I have. Um, but also, I like the freedom that I feel like I don't have to follow the, the, um, the calendar, the fashion calendar. You know, like you have to make this for this and this or that because Ushi is, you know, resort wear, travel. That's that's year round. We can go whenever we want. So um, uh, I'm really excited about that. So, yeah, that answered your question. Yes, it has changed. <laughs> so far, you've been a one woman show, Melissa. You do everything right down to designing the logo when you are the brand. How do you manage everything? Gosh. Yeah, it's, um, it's challenging because um, I wear a lot of hats, right? Um, I think you have to be kind with yourself. You have to be patient. You have to prioritize and work on your, you know, your timing with everything. Um, I do a little at a time and I outsource some things, um, you know, have people help me with my social media or, you know, my TikTok. I have a wonderful girl. She does all of my TikTok. We just got started with that. So that's fun. So I don't have, really have to worry about that. Um, there's, um, there's different programs. Oh, another good program that I want to mention is that Cooney has this amazing internship program 
that it's only in New York. Um, well, it's actually it's remote, so you can do both. But you can sign up if you have a legitimate business, and we definitely have something that you can offer. The interns will work for you uh, for free for the first couple of, uh, I think, eight weeks. And then after eight weeks, Cooney will help you with their pay. And the, over, the, the end result is to have them as a full-time employee. So I'm straying, I know, but there's just so much. No, you're not. That, that's a good information. And for those of you outside of New York, CUNY is yeah. the City University of New York. So basically yeah. she's saying look to your local colleges and universities for interns. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's getting easier. I still have a ways to go, but I, I kind of hone in what I need and know that it's going to happen. And I'm, I'm really big on energy and manifesting. And I kid you not, they are they just falling in line. They just like knocked at my door. Melissa, oh, yes, I've been waiting for you. Come on in, help me out, you know. So um, it's been, yeah, it, it's hard at first. But I, I would say for anyone starting out and you wearing all the hats, first of all, you have to be kind to yourself. You have to be patient. And you have to listen and look around and really see who's in those circles that can help you and um, yeah, and just go from there. So I think a lot of solopreneurs can relate to that. Um, and, and my question is, as a, a, a one woman show, how do you now plan for the expansion and the growth of the company? Because there's only so much that one person can do. Yeah. So I have um, some consultants that I reach out to and we kind of map out what we want to do. Like, okay, hey, Melissa, let's look at this and let's look at that. Honestly, I really hate all of that. I love the creative part. So let's just be honest and clear there. Um, And that's okay too. That's okay not to hate, not to like one part and love another. Right. Um, So I do reach out to consultants to help me map out my plan and, uh, you know, see where we need to go and what's next. Um, so yeah, it's just finding resources and reaching out and knowing you can't do it on your own. But yeah. yeah. So no matter how amazing one's designs may be, fashion is a notoriously difficult business. Can you tell us some of the challenges that you faced growing a fashion brand and how you've overcome them? Yeah. So I've just been really honest with myself. Um, and I've stopped and I've started again a couple times. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it just wasn't always easy. It always, it wasn't always sustainable for me, you know, because I found myself in the beginning making money and then not knowing I need to put that back in the business. I was like, oh, we can go out to dinner tonight, Pete and my son, Phoenix. <laughs> I'm like, well, let's go, you know, in the beginning, not knowing how all this was done. Right. And so um, it was challenging because. I don't, I'm not, I don't like the numbers. I don't want to deal with that. But, you know, take a little crash course in that just so you know enough. So when you hire someone, you kind of know what they're doing, right? I believe you need to know a little bit of everything so that you're able to hire someone smarter than you. So you'll know, you know, what they're talking about, what, what you need. Um, but yeah, so it's been challenging. I know there's more challenges to come. But I know with everything, I don't try to put out all the fires. Some fires I let burn. You know, I'm like, you know what? I can't deal with that right now. And I'm just going to deal with this right now. And sometimes they're not even as bad as I think they are, you know? And so it's just really allowing yourself forgiveness and not being so hard on yourself 
and just believing that it's all going to work out because all it all passed. You know, you may not be where you need to be right at that moment. You may be rushing like, oh, I want to do this. I want to get this here. And I want to do breathe, relax, because you're where you need to be at that moment. So just work with that and take it from there because it, it should be a great learning experience. It should be a journey of discovery. And we all know that, you know, when you make mistakes, it's not really a mistake. It's something that you're learning from, right? So it's just putting all those little rules, those little uh, life lessons that we, we learn and that pops up in our feed on Instagram all the time. It's really, really understanding that and, and making it your own and, and moving, moving toward, you know, through your challenges. I love that you shared that. And I thank you for your candor because, you know, we always talk about learning things, trial and error, but then we don't want to share the errors. We don't want people to know that we made the mistakes. And it's so real that you said, you know, you had to stop and then start again a couple of times. It wasn't always sustainable. And at the beginning, you didn't always, you know, do the right thing, but that you're learning as you grow and getting better. So before we let you go, I have to ask you to share your best advice for other women entrepreneurs out there, especially all those other creatives who want to build a business around their talents. Yeah. Um, I would say, sorry, I have to use the Nike slogan, but just do it, you know, no matter what it is, if it's writing a book or, you know, taking that class or, you know, traveling or whatever it may be that's really burning in your soul you got to do it. You at least have to try. That's the only way you're going to know. So I would say just do it. Um, it always just comes back to being kind with yourself because as simple as it sounds, so many people don't do that. And that turns to a lot of frustration that we have that we put out into the world because we're just frustrated with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's just, just do it. Don't wait. <laughs> you know, laugh and smile along the way. Make sure you hula hoop <laughs> when you when you have, you know, times of doubt. And um, you can reach out to Ushi. You can reach out to me. I would love to uh, offer any advice I may have on um, any of my experiences. So that is amazing offer. I hope that the people listening, like, take that to heart. When a successful businesswoman tells you she will help you, she will listen, she's receptive, then you need yeah. to move on that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing your small business success story. Everyone out there, please take a look at the company website, ushi.com. That's O-O-S-H-I-E.com. And prepare to fall in love with them just like I did. You can also follow them on Instagram at Ushi underscore Ushi or on Facebook and Pinterest at Ushi Loves. That's L-U-V-S. Check out the podcast channel on BlackEnterprise.com to find Sisters Inc. and other podcasts from Black Enterprise editors, writers, and experts. Be sure to subscribe to Sisters Inc. on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or YouTube. And if you like what you hear, show us some love by leaving a five-star review or put a sister on by spreading the word. This is Elisa Gums with Sisters Inc. for Black Enterprise. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.